Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Good evening, everyone. It's good to be together with you on this Good Friday. My name is Matt, and uh, I'm looking forward just to sharing with you for a few minutes here before we go into taking the Lord's Supper tonight. Uh, but feels like a little bit of an awkward transition because I want to talk about the movie Fifty First Dates for just a moment here. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Fifty First Dates, but I'm going to catch you up really quick on the details. Uh, it's about a, a girl named Lucy who's got some serious memory issues. She goes to bed every night uh, forgetting everything that happened during the day. So she wakes up the next morning as literally a blank slate. Not having, not having any memory of what happened the day before. And a uh, little bit of a spoiler alert for you. I hate to ruin 50 first dates for you, but I'm just going to throw the spoiler out there. At the end of the movie, Lucy is waking up to a, a video, which is essentially summarizing who she is, who her family is. She's watching this. The first thing that she watches when she wakes up, who she is, who her family is, and why things are the, the way that they are. And so, you know, in the same way, we, you and I, we are very forgetful people. If you're like me, you wake up each morning having forgotten the truth about God. You, have, uh, you wake up forgetting the truth about God, what's true about yourself in light of what he has done. You see, we need times of remembrance. We, in a sense, need the gospel to jog our memory. And Good Friday is a sweet time because we get to gather together to remember. We get to remember the cross of Jesus, which is the heart of the gospel. It's a time where we get to remember why Jesus, Jesus allowed himself to be tortured, to be murdered on that dreadful day. And we also get to be reminded of why and what it was that he accomplished in doing so. We get to remember why it is that we can actually call Good Friday good. Seems like a paradox, doesn't it? So in the same way that Lucy watched the video to help her remember the details of her life, to help put herself back into context, Tonight, I want to point our attention at three words, three words that I believe put you and I back into context. And these three words, should we believe them, will actually change everything. They will deliver hope to our weary souls. There are three amazing words, and we heard them earlier from John 19. And there are three words that were spoken by Jesus from the cross. And so I just want to read this passage again, John 19, verses 28 through 30. And at this point, Jesus has been on the cross for six hours, which is mind-blowing. But he says this, the apostle John writes, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill scripture, said, I am thirsty. So a jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put, a, they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. 
We love to finish, don't we? We love to finish things. We love to see things completed. There's something beautiful about finishing a task. I don't know, normal people don't leave a movie, a good movie, like 50 First Dates, in the middle. You know, if it's a good movie, we stick through to the end. We want to see how it all comes together. You know, shows like Fixer Upper, you know, the shows like that would, would completely bomb if the show ended on demo day. We like to be finishers. We don't like running out of time before the test is done, all right? Those of you who are still taking tests, timed ones. And doesn't it bother, when, bother you when you're not able to finish your... Oh, sentences? Tests, yes. Okay, how about those days when the to-do, the to-do list is left undone? Or... Even worse, when the waiter takes away your food before you're done. Come on. There's something beautiful about completion. And that's why when we hear Jesus say, it is finished, it's actually, it's shocking, yet such a beautiful thing to hear. And what we hear Jesus saying from the cross is not that he was finished. We don't hear him say, I I got something started, now it's your turn. We don't hear him say that. We don't hear him say, oh, I ran out of time. No, what we hear him say is, it is finished. And this begs the question, though, what is the it that Jesus finished when he said, it is finished? Was it his life? Was it his ministry? And one thing that helps bring this into clarity is this, the the words, it is finished, is actually a three-word English translation for the one Greek word that the Apostle John used when he was telling the story. And that Greek word is tetelestai. Tetelestai was a, it was a legal word with, a le- with legal connotations. And back in the first century, when a debt was owed, a certificate of the debt was made. And when the obligation was settled, it was officially resolved with that single word written across the parchment's face, tetelestai. It meant completed. It meant paid. It's finished. It's done. And it's interesting, archaeologists have even unearthed ancient receipts that have been uh, been canceled out in this way using the word tetelestai or its abbreviation. So let's not misunderstand. Jesus, he's not collapsing here in exhausted relief at the end of suffering. Yes, the ordeal is done, absolutely, but the Son of God is rejoicing not in what is over, but what has been accomplished. And that's huge. He finished the task, and nothing can be added to what has been done. Jesus, he paid the price in full. He has canceled the debt. His sacrifice has been a perfect one, acceptable to the Heavenly Father who looking down on his son, hanging lifelessly from the cross, God says, well done. This is my dear son with whom I am well pleased. To Tetelestai, it is finished. Everything is complete. But the question remains, what is that it that Jesus was talking about that he had in mind when he said it is finished? And there's so many places in scripture, so many things that we could talk about tonight that he was finishing in that moment. But for the sake of time, I just want to look at a couple 
unbelievable things that Jesus finished. And one way to gain an understanding of, of what Jesus accomplished on the cross is to look at what guys like Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote about Jesus years later. Because you know, it wasn't long uh, after Jesus ascended back to heaven that his disciples began to more fully comprehend and understand the implications of the cross. They didn't get it you know, in the moment originally, but over time it began to become real to them. They understood it more and more, the implications of what Jesus' death actually accomplished. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Romans 3. He said, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. And he did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. And just look at those amazing words that are contained in that passage. Righteousness, atonement, justified, redemption. All of those things help us understand what it was that Jesus finished. Let's just look at a couple. For, for example, atonement. Atonement, this means making amends with another. It involves some kind of compensation or payment of, or doing something to make things right. Atonement, if you look at the word atonement, it, it looks like at one meant. So Jesus is, is bringing God and man, he's, he's, he's uh, making peace between God and us. That's one of the things that he finished. Paul also used that word justified. Or justified through the redemption that Jesus provided. You know, it's great being at peace with someone. But what about the guilt and the shame? You know, it's entirely possible for us to, to have made amends with someone, but then we still struggle with the guilt and the shame. So Jesus didn't just die, or he didn't just bring us peace between God and us. He removed the guilt and the shame that we, so that we can experience peace with ourselves. We need that guilt and shame removed. What's cool is that the peace with God that we get, it produces the peace of God in our hearts and our lives. And so, yes, we're justified through the finished work of Christ. And justified is, is one of those words that, it's a bunch of little words put together. Just as if I'd never sinned. So there's at one mint. But there's just as if I'd never sinned. My record is clean. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him through the, from the wrath of God. So atonement is finished. Justification 
is finished. But wait, there's more. Not only has atonement been finished and, and justification, but righteousness has been finished as well. Let me explain it to you this way. Let's just imagine you have an insurmountable amount of debt. You're not rich. You're in debt. And let's just say somebody comes up to you out of the kindness of their heart. They love you so much. And they're like, hey, I want to take care of that debt for you. You're like, glory, yes. Thank you, thank you. So they, want, they say they want to take care of your debt, and they do. Where does that leave you? Well, you're not in debt anymore, but are you rich? No, you're broke. You're still a broke man or woman. What we need is, well, imagine that same person saying, I'm going to give you billions and billions of dollars into your account as well. See, now that makes you rich. And so in the same way, that's what we need. We need all of that. We need the pardon of sin. We need the the removal of, of our guilt. But we also need that righteousness deposited into our account. And on the cross, our resume, our record of unrighteousness, that was placed upon Jesus. And his perfect resume, his perfect record of righteousness was given to us. This is known as the magnificent exchange. And this is what we need to remember, not just on Good Friday, a night like tonight, but we need to remember this every single day. You see, us like Lucy from 50 First Dates, we struggle with, we have a memory issue. We all, at some level, deal with gospel amnesia. We need to be regularly reminded of the truth of what Jesus did, of what he accomplished. We need to be reminded regularly, daily, that it is finished. To tell us die. So atonement, justification, redemption, righteousness. These aren't just church words that we use to explain theology and doctrine. These are dynamics that you and I face every single day. They're present everyday realities. Everyone in this room is, faces these, these things every day. You see, it is finished. Well, I, I, I think we live in a world that, that's all about just do it. Just do it. It is finished makes absolutely no sense in a just do it world. And so many of us, we, we feel fine giving a nod to Jesus. It's like, I'm so thankful for what you did, Jesus. Thank you so much. But then there's this other part of us that, that is, that's inside of us that's telling us that we better get busy. We better get going if we're going to make our life count. So it leaves us suspicious. We're suspicious of grace. We're suspicious of Jesus. Did he really finish it all? All? And this unbelief, it bleeds into every area of life. I mean, why have you become a workaholic? Why do you always have to one-up other people? Why do you have to win the argument? Why do you have to always have the final word? Why are you so defensive 
Why are you so afraid to actually speak up and to, ha- to have that difficult conversation? How come you live with so much anxiety and so much stress? What are you trying to prove? And what are you doing by desperately trying to please your parents or other people? You see, all of these things, they're, they're not random. These are the everyday things of life, and they're all subtle ways that we are trying to finish. They're all areas of our life where there's unbelief and it is finished. And so we're trying to finish having the last word, having to be right, having to justify ourselves. The burdens that we place upon ourselves to be right, to be regarded, to be respected, to be somebody. That's a burden that none of us were intended to bear. But yet we do because we're trying to finish. There are all ways that we're trying to make atonement for our lives. We're trying to work off our guilt. There are all ways that we're trying to justify our existence. We spend so much time and energy pointing the finger at others in order to divert the blame. Don't look at me. We point the finger. But guess what? On the cross, all of the blame was diverted from you and was pointed at Jesus. So you and I, we, we no longer have anything to prove. We've been made righteous. And the reason that we can call Good Friday good is because it is finished. Our relationship with, with God is forever fixed. We are attached to an unlosable lover. We are living in a cage of righteousness. And that is what we need to remember. You know, Jesus gave us a very tangible way to remember his sacrifice. Today, we we celebrate regularly the Lord's Supper as a way of remembering what Jesus did on our behalf. We eat the bread that symbolizes his body, which was broken for us. And we drink of the cup, which, which represents his blood shed for us. Purchasing our redemption, accomplishing our atonement, providing the justification that we need, and making us righteous in God's eyes. That's what we remember when we take the Lord's Supper. So tonight, we're going to spend some time remembering by receiving the Lord's Supper. And so this is how it's going to work. We're going to have stations of people on these walls, on this side and on that side. And what we want to do is invite you at some point to make your way over to them and receive the Lord's Supper from them. And we also want to pray for you. You know, in the same way that there's nothing that we can do to achieve our salvation. There's nothing that we can do to achieve it. All we can do is receive by faith. Well, in a similar way, we want to invite you tonight to just take a moment and when you're ready to make your way over to one of the stations so that you can receive the Lord's Supper and that some truth could be prayed over you. So that's what we're going to do. The bands, they're going to play a few songs. Don't feel rushed. We don't have to get in big lines or anything. But just make your way to one of the the couples that are around the room. And let's rest in this unhurried time of remembrance. And allow the message and the reality that it is finished to sink itself down deep into our hearts.
So whenever you're ready, go ahead and make your way to one of the couples. And then in just a little bit, I'll be back up here to close us. So let's do that now.